This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Department brass have fretted about readiness for years, and after getting some budget bumps, the Pentagon still isn't prepared for the missions it's setting itself up for. That's according to a recent Government Accountability Office report. Is DOD setting itself up for failure? Federal News Network Scott Mossioni joins me with what he's been finding. And Scott, let's start with that GAO report on readiness. There is not a whole lot of readiness, is there? Not exactly. Toward the end of the Obama era, there was really what they were calling a readiness downfall. And, uh, you know, that had a lot to do with some of the budget cuts that were imposed mostly by Congress because of the Budget Control Act. Now, this report only looks at 2017 to 2019, a time period that was considered really crucial for the rebuilding of of the military's readiness. And the Trump administration gave the Defense Department uh, some pretty big bumps and extra funds to restore some of that readiness. Now, the Government Accountability Office says that the readiness in terms of resources really grew over that two-year period. Most of the domains that the Defense Department works in, air, land, space, and cyber, those areas Uh, saw some great resources and training to conduct missions in increase. The lone outlier was the sea domain, which decreased a little bit. Now, in terms of mission capability, which is really considered how DOD can take a unit and finish an established task up to standards and conditions, that did not see the same success. The ground domain was the only one that saw increases in the mission capability readiness, while all the others saw decreases over that same period of time. So more money and less readiness in most of the domains. What is the reason behind all of that? We saw the Defense Department increase its funds. However, what changed is the priorities of the Defense Department. The Center for Strategic and International Studies senior advisor, Mark Kansian, told me that they're really focusing on a highly capable adversary compared to the previous 20 years when the United States was focusing on terrorists in the Middle East. Now it's all about China and Russia, which means they're investing in things like hypersonics, in building the nuclear capacity, all those sorts of things that cost a lot of money and also change the way that readiness works. They're also looking for a lot of innovation. As I mentioned before, the military started losing the readiness because of the Budget Control Act, affecting lots of late budgets, indiscriminate cuts, and those sorts of things. That's one of the issues. Another issue is that the Defense Department is biting off a very large part of this sandwich of world threats. The National Defense Strategy, which was created by General Mattis, Defense Secretary Mattis back in 2017, says that the United States needs to be prepared for China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, terrorism, and then also build its nuclear capacity. A lot of experts and a lot of uh, lawmakers are saying that's a really a lot for the Defense Department to be prepared for, and it's stretching itself much too thin to be ready for all of those sorts of challenges. We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mossioni, and what is the thinking on Capitol Hill about this? Because that's where, as you point out, the budgets get set ultimately and approved. Right. Well, we heard from House Armed Services Committee Chairman Adam Smith a few days ago, and he really just said that the national defense strategy is not realistic. It's spreading the Defense Department much too thin, and the Defense Department needs to move back to priorities that it can actually work with in in a reasonable budget. Now, you have to remember, even though we are seeing this readiness not necessarily decrease, but really a mixed bag, there were two more years of defense budget increases uh, that GAO has not looked at. And the the Biden administration wants to increase the defense budget by 1.5% in 2022. 
So we may see some bigger increases in readiness compared to what this report actually showed. Uh, in addition to that, there is also a bipartisan group of 14 representatives that say that the request for forces by combatant commands is just much too high right now. The Defense Department is m- more reactionary than it needs to be in the sense of deploying troops to areas that uh, the, the United States is concerned about. That's starting to erode readiness, and it's also a huge trade-off for readiness when it comes to a defense department that needs to modernize. It's trying to bring things out from the 1970s, the 1960s, and replace those you know, old airplanes, bring in the, the new bomber, bring in new nuclear capabilities. So what they're asking is how DOD can better that process, how it can not put as many troops forward, and therefore be ready for the priorities that it needs to be ready for, but also focus on things like modernizing so it can really increase its capabilities for the future. It is hard to imagine, I suppose, if you're a military planner, what it is you would specifically face. People that look at these things say it's unlikely we'll have some sort of a gigantic ground, air, and sea war face-to-face with China, or if it happened, we would know in advance that China was planning this kind of thing. Very unlikely but it's more of proxy battles like the South China Sea or what they do on the shores off Manila or what happens with Taiwan. With, I guess, Iran, they can't probably attack the United States directly, but it's proxy and influence almost more than direct competition. And so presuming military planners have this in mind, what could come next? Right. Well, you're you're right. It is more of a Cold War mentality. And then there's also that small threat of of terrorism that always crops up. and, And that takes a lot of money to squash just a small amount of people. Another thing to keep in mind is also the cyber attacks. You know, it's a completely new domain that's very cheap for adversaries and very expensive for the Defense Department to bolster its systems and its IT systems to protect against that and to constantly do that. So those are some areas where the Defense Department will probably be keeping its its budget up. In areas like nuclear, a lot of lawmakers are saying that's an area that the Defense Department doesn't necessarily need to continue to increase its funds, to, to build its, its capacity as much as uh, it did in the past, considering we're not necessarily in a, a nuclear detente like we were in the 60s and 70s. Some of the next steps would be really answering the questions that the lawmakers, the 14 lawmakers that sent that letter in, are asking, you know, what does the Defense Department really need to do when it's putting its troops forward, when combatant commanders are asking for troops, how reactionary does it need to be to certain world events, and how much can the Defense Department rely on its allies and get NATO to uh, help out with certain things, or uh, maybe even have certain countries be the go-to country for maybe a certain sort of adversary or a certain sort of domain issue. So could all of this ferment in thinking then result in a new doctrine, a new defense quadrennial review, a new strategy document? That's a possibility. We've seen Secretary Lloyd Austin make a lot of changes when it comes to personnel, when it comes to sexual assault and things like that, really leaving no options off the table. So we know that he's definitely interested in reforms within the Defense Department. This may be something that he might rethink. We know that he is from the military ilk. He was a general. So he may have some of those pushes towards looking at more threats, wanting a bigger military. But we'll have to see what comes out of the Biden administration and especially what comes out of this letter to see if they want to rethink that strategy. Federal News Network's Scott Mossione, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his story and that letter at federalnewsnetwork.com. 
We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by Ask 
not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group Affinity Insurance world for um, three decades. I've led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.